once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. A character in the 90s TV series Babylon 5 would size up new people he met, shake his head, and sadly say, not the one. While we may not verbalize it, we make the same calculation about people, things, and ideas all the time. Sadly thinking, not the one, and perhaps wondering if the one will ever be found or even if there's a one worth finding. Andrzej Bajinski, founder and director of Pro Ecclesia, Center for Church Development in Warsaw, Poland, brings us this global outreach weekend message entitled, The Value of One. Thank you for joining us today. I have a honor and privilege to introduce our speaker today. Uh, we met six years ago, about this week, and over the past six years, how he has impacted my life pointing me to Christ has been amazing. Us weeping together and laughing together and praying that a movement would happen in Poland and all over Europe. And so it's just an honor for me to welcome up Andrzej and his wife, Ursula Bajinski. Thank you so much for coming to join us today and to lead us to the throne, and uh, it's just a privilege to have you here. So I just want to introduce uh, these people to a great couple that's making impact, and uh, Andrzej is pastor of a church for years and years and planted 10, 11 churches around Poland, and is now having a movement to see more churches planted around. He's encouraging pastors and raising up, and he's discipling men, and the same thing with Ursula. So thank you so much for your labor you. in the kingdom. Thank you. Uh, just thank you for this kind invitation here and with uh, all this group from Poland. We are so happy that we can be here and uh, have a part in your worship service and the special worship service when we also kind of emphasize the, the mission, the work which uh, Jesus brought with him, the mission he brought and which is not finished yet and cannot be finished really without our involvement there. Um, you know, Poland, it's a kind of medium-sized uh, country in Europe uh, located between two big powers, Germany on, this, on the west and uh, Russia, Ukraine on the east. And this geography always kind of added a lot of, uh, I would say, a lot of problems to the Polish nation. Generally, Poland is... a uh, Perhaps you know this, but this is a, a very strong uh, Catholic country. This is a Christian country over uh, 1,000 years ago when Poland was baptized, as we call it. Uh, but if I can say that this religion, religious, very religious uh, nation, for us, religion generally is more like a part of a culture than a deep convictions of the heart. It's not so much a, a relationship to Jesus Christ. It's just, a, it's just a way of life. You believe or not, but, uh, but religion is present there. And let me say this, that uh, I believe I should say this at the beginning, that uh, uh, before we go any farther, I have to make a kind of agreement with you. And maybe we, we, we need to kind of tune up uh, a little bit, uh, uh, you know, my Polish version of English with your southern uh, uh, version of English. 
So uh, I would do my best to find the words uh, which would express the ideas I would love to share with you. But you have to promise to me that you already forgave me all the mistakes I would do in English, okay? So if you don't, then I am not going any farther there, okay? Thank you. <clears throat> Uh, you know, in my life, I had the privilege to stand behind quite a few pulpits, uh, but to stand behind what I think it's, uh, it's even re written here, Randy Pope. To stand be behind the Pope's pulpit is a totally different story. Uh, and I don't know if you, if you know this, or maybe you are not aware of this, but Randy and I, we are so wonderful, simple team, where he is wonderful, I am simple. And uh, so what I would like to share with you is, is, is a real simple thing, and I hope this one thing will grab our hearts enough to, uh, in the way that, that God can really bless us and bless others through us. On such occasion, like a global mission spotlight, I'd like to share a simple message which is timeless and universal. And I gave the title to this, The Value of One, Value of One. And uh, let me just remind to you uh, one story written in the, gospel, in the Gospels. I will quote this from the Gospel of Mark 10th chapter. And this is a story about rich young ruler. This young man uh, who came to Jesus on one occasion when Jesus was almost ready to depart, and he came to him and he says, what uh, do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And then um, he calls Jesus good teacher. So Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. And then Jesus continues, says, uh, remember the commandments, and this young man says, oh, sure, I remember. From the, when I was a little child, I already obeyed commandments. And then we re read that Jesus looked at him with love. I mean, there, there must be something special about the, the way Jesus looked at this young man. He loved him, and, uh, and he said to him, then Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and he said to him, one thing you lack. One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. You know, every time I hear this story preached, and also when I read this story, I always think Jesus said, hey man, young man, you have a little bit too much of things in your life, so you cannot be my follower. But it's not true. Jesus said, oh, I see you, you've got a lot, but I want to point to one thing to you. One thing you lack. And I think it's, it, it's so true in our lives. It's so universal that no matter how much we have, no matter who we are, no matter what, where we live, uh, if we lack this one thing, everything doesn't really matter. Has no much meaning. 
And then the story goes on, and the um, disciples are astonished and ask some questions, extra questions. And Jesus uses this occasion to tell them that uh, if somebody leaves everything behind, a family, closest people, even possessions, will we'll get hundredfold times, hundred times will be rewarded. And Peter, of course, says, hey, Jesus, we have left uh, all and followed you. What will happen to us? And Jesus says, you know what? You will have hundreds, families, homes, whenever, here in this life, and eternal life after. One thing you lack. One thing. And simple question should be asked, what is this one thing we lack which decides about the rest of our life? It doesn't matter how much we have. All this is like a zero what we have. It means nothing from God's from eternal, eternity, eternal perspective. What is the one thing we lack? The one thing which decides that all we possess, all we are, all we do has no meaning from Christ's perspective? And the answer is, of course, simple. The one thing he and we today lack in our lives was the one who was sent from God. And the presence of the one sent from God being received by a person makes all the difference of life. Life here and a life eternal. So simple. If we could uh, see the slide, uh, uh, I'm not very talented uh, artistically, but uh, I tried to draw a couple of zeros to help you see this in your, with your eyes. You know that the zeros, they represent, they represent us, and they represent different parts of our lives. And sometimes we think, ah, no, it cannot be that we are just like a zero. You know, in Polish language, we have a very popular song. I think almost everybody in Poland knows this, maybe 20 years or so uh, years ago, it was very popular. But since everybody remembers the course, and the course says, you are less than zero. This was some kind of famous uh, group uh, saying this. And many people think we, they are less than zero. I am not so rigid. <laughs> I say, no, we are just zeros if there is no one in our lives. So, there is one. But the problem is that the one makes a big difference only if it's in the right position. The one on the very end of our lives, somewhere there, among the other things of life, add something but a very small. Almost doesn't count. But let's put the one where it should belong, to the position. What do we have now? Now, all the zeros get a value, much more meaning, 
Now, together with one, it's a big, large, what's a, a billion <laughs> or more. Now, every next zero adds, the number grows. With one up front, all the zeros create big, huge number. With one, total number is great. With one, somewhere on the back, somewhere in our lives, but not on the first place, no in the center of our life. If Christ is not, then life doesn't have much value, doesn't have much meaning. When Jesus Christ is received to our lives, the value and the meaning of our life is rapidly growing. And people, zeros, are saved and redeemed, secure. They are part of something great. People discover a new, they lost glory. Jesus gives us not only eternal meaning, but also he promised this hundredfold uh, multiplication of the houses and the families. And you know, even today, when we are here with you, whole our group, uh, Gospel Joy, and uh, there is um, seven more of us here sitting. You know, even today, the words of Jesus are so true. It's just because of one where we have so many homes in Atlanta area open for us. There is no other reason why there are Christian homes open for us who are followers of Christ. Hundreds of families, hundreds of homes around the world just because we have one in our life and you have one in your life. And it makes us closer to each other, closer even to many of our relatives, to our own families in many cases. So when the one has first place, the one has a great power. And it's not only power and it's not only value which is given to the zeros, but it's a, it's a power, a power of transformation zeros into the little small ones. The one has this magnetic power to bring to himself. And those who receive him, he comes with the power of the Holy Spirit in order to, we are not longer just saved zeros, but that we are becoming a small one, one, number one, number one, number one. And we grow, and we look more like on this picture even. This is the power of one transformed into the lives of people. And the discipleship is a way to do it, is the best way to become like one, like Christ, like Jesus, the Messiah, Christ. You know, I love this picture because there is a whole hope in there that maybe the world thinks we are less than zero. 
Maybe we just think of ourselves that, ah, we are nothing. But when one comes and we receive one and one takes a first position, then we are part of something great. It's a, it's a grace. But we are also called to be like one and we are transformed into his likeness. And other people look at us and they say, oh, a small Christ, little Christ. The one from God has a great transformation power. And he uses this power not only to save the world, but to transfer this world. And this is God's eternal purpose for people that we are not only redeemed and saved, but the one we are transformed into his likeness. When one is the first place, his perspective becomes our perspective. His mission becomes our natural mission. His words become our message. His story is our story. And his methods are our methods. Many times are not our methods. Sometimes we think our methods are better than masters. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we preachers. We think our methods are better. But then we humbly have to say, uh, no. At the end, his method is the method, is the best. If we would have a time, and we, if we could read a, a portion of uh, uh, the end of the ninth chapter of the uh, Gospel of Matthew. We would read these words. On one occasion, Jesus was with his twelve, and we read that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And this is the end of chapter 9. You know, I did this many times in my life. I usually finish in this my sermons. And I said, okay, you know, you heard the words. Jesus encouraged us to pray for the big harvest, for his kingdom. So let's call a prayer meeting, we pray, and it's great. But looking at the master's method, we go to the next verse in the Bible, which is chapter 10, verse 1, and we read, and then Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits to heal every disease and sickness, and then there are these 12, uh, names of these 12. And Jesus did not only encourage them and commanded them to pray, but what he did, he called his 12. And the whole chapter 10 of the Gospel of Matthew is just one intensive training. All just instructions how to reach the world, how to proclaim 
the gospel of the kingdom which is at hand. And it's, it's kind of fascinated me because there are all these words. Jesus instructed them. He equipped them. Uh, there's no use, uh, the word is not used there. He coached them. But many things which he did, it was in our temporary language, would be like he coached them. He sent them. He told them what to say, what not to say, how to treat this, how to treat that. He was the one who said, okay, you freely receive, you freely give. And he goes and goes and goes. whole big chapter is just a training of 12 before he sent them out to do his mission. This was like a beginning of, uh, of the movement. It was limited at that time. Jesus said, please, you don't go to Samaritan cities. You don't go to the, any kind of pagan world. You go just to the children from the house of Israel at that time. But this was a preparation. And you know what? When I read this, I can't stop thinking that what happened there with Jesus and his 12 happened to us Polish people who are present today here with you. Over six, I can say, six hard years of instructions from Perimeter Church to us about discipleship. They first, I tell you, your leaders... They were very kind when they first came. Later on also they were very kind. But when they first came, they were very kind and just, just asked us if we ever heard about discipleship being a method, Jesus' method. I said, oh, sure we did. And do you practice this? And all of us gathered pastors, they say, yeah, 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 we have a ways of kind of to call. Whenever we call, whenever we do, we call a discipleship. Mm. You know, I just can't stop thinking that we have exactly what happened from perimeter to us in Poland was what Jesus did to his 12. They were mentioned there by names, and I know that in the office of one of your staff members here, there's a picture of taken on the very first conference on the discipleship in, in Poland. And here's this picture. And many times I heard him speaking. He looks at the picture and he prays for all those pastors. It's, he doesn't pray that they would finally be saved, but that they um, finally would catch the idea that the Jesus model of a ministry includes discipleship. And that the life-on-life -life discipleship can be the answer to many of our, our even problems in our churches. Jesus not only called to pray for the harvest, but he trained, instruct. He did this intensive training, and we were trained. We had quite a few clinics already in Poland, and then we were invited, I think, for over two weeks here to Perimeter, and it was like going, I don't know exactly how you call this, but the ladies may help me here, you know, something at home, you have this kind of small machine, uh, 
and you put a meat, you know, from one side, the big piece of meat, and from the other side is the same meat, it just looks very different, yes? And this is what they did to us, you know, with this intensive... So, meat is still there, but we are different. And I thank God, you know, that uh, we went through this and that uh, we survived through this. And if I may just say, you know, that... Uh, we thank God today, and this is our chance to have this Thanksgiving celebration and say thank you to the church, and thank you also to, the, to these leaders whom you have sent to us. And if I may just say, you know, we are thankful to God for Randy and for Bill Wood and Ken Branscombe and Monty Stark and Charles Hooper and Carlene and Debbie and Wileen and Judy and dozen more. Well, I just realized that I was a very biblical now. Because I, I mentioned men with the names and ladies just by name, first name, yes. Like in the Bible, you know, ladies are not hardly mentioned there, yes. So I'm sorry for doing this. But for all those men and women who train us and taught us and... Uh, and I remember they were repeating so many times, minister like Jesus, which means love everyone, serve too many, but focus on few. They were saying to us, follow Jesus in his message, but also in his method. Think big, start small, go deep. Whenever we ask a question, why discipleship, why life-on-life -life discipleship, the answer always has been the same, Jesus. You know, like in the Sunday school answer, yes. No matter what's a question, the answer is Jesus. Uh, and they were saying to us, Jesus is the answer. He did this, he had no other plan, and he commanded us to make disciples and just stick to this. And, you know, they repeated so many times that finally we believed them. I said, it, there must be something in this, you know, true. And so we started to not only believe, but also follow. And make our small groups and have a Polish version of, of your journey. And let me share this personal story at the end. Uh, you know, I am, I am a church animal. You know, I was almost kind of born in the, in the bu building where there was a church. And uh, I'm third generation evangelical. My grandfather was a pastor. My father died when uh, I was just a little boy. So, uh, but my uncle was a pastor. Many people serve in the church from our family. And I think I have a right to think of myself as uh, one of the most successful pastors in Poland when it comes to the evangelical churches. I had the privilege to lead the fastest growing church and the largest evangelical congregation in Poland. But I have to confess that discipleship was never my passion. I had this in my church papers. I had this on the bulletin. I had even part-time staff member to help me with uh, discipleship. But it was never really on my heart. And as a senior pastor, I had influence in the church. So uh, 
it wasn't very much a part of our very fast growing congregation. We were, it was easy for us to reach out and to get to people and bring them from unbelief to belief. But then, somehow we kind of, we said, it was like we would say, okay, so now learn from us if you can. And be the follower of Christ if you can. If, if you can't, we can help you a little bit, but, but discipleship was never strong. And I am making this confession here in front of you because I thank you for sending those leaders who have kind of awakened us and me personally and my wife to the importance of the discipleship. First of all, by the way they approached us, by the way they presented, but also when this truth of the gospel and looking at Christ, his method also, it helped me so much to change mind about how the ministry should be done. And today I'm not pastoring one church. Today I would say Poland is my parish. I meet a lot of pastors. And I'm not even surprised that most of them, when we, I start to talk to them about discipleship, they say, yeah, yeah, I'll listen to you next time. I did exactly the same thing when I was in this position. So I understand this. And I think, I hope I can help them more. And this is both with my wife. We just uh, started our seventh decade. And the seventh decade, if God allows us to have uh, 10 years in health, this will be the last kind of professional ministry decade in our lives. And we decided that discipleship will be our primary ministry now. We'll try to switch everything in such a way that we could leave as many disciples as possible even at the cost sometimes of the pulpit or of the cost of some other ministries, we can have uh, groups. And we started to have our discipleship groups. And please, and I will tell you this also, in one of the kind of second generation groups, in my case, I invited uh, a man who for 20 years, he was a Roman Catholic priest with his PhD. He left the priesthood, married, and we get to know them. He is today with us. He's a pastor of one of the churches, evangelical churches in Poland. But it was funny for me. You know, we sit together. His wife was sitting at Ursula's discipleship group. He was with me. And with his PhD in theology, my master's in theology, we just learn next Bible verse, <laughs> memorize next Bible verse, and we talk and uh, and I would say, if not the discipleship group, I think there would never be such a bound. And I don't even know, I don't know if, if he could be even, the, would be received as a pastor in the evangelical church. So, telling this to you, I would like to today encourage all of you who are here present, first of all, to make sure that the one you know the value of one, and the one is in your life. And the one is on the right place, which means up front. 
If Jesus Christ is not in your life, I tell you, I would not want to be even three minutes in your shoes. It's zero worth, zero meaning, no matter what. But I would like also to encourage all of us who have received Christ, who are Christians, maybe for many years. And if we don't really treat seriously discipleship, which means we don't treat seriously this method of becoming like one. So even if you are 60, just start doing this so you can have a joy of being disciple and disciple orders. And to all of us, I would encourage you to take this this part in this great global movement which, is, which God is raising in this world and the discipleship is a method how we can really be uh, people who, have, who can participate in his final success. I think there was one or two, uh, mm, yes, this is exactly a picture for me, this portrays the movement. More zeros, more zeros, and more number one, 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 one. And the last one picture is a, is a dream. That there is millions of uh, disciples of Jesus Christ, and there is no zeros anymore. All of us are like him, like the one who has came to this world, gave his life for us so we can be saved, redeemed, and that we can partake in his mission. Let us bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Father God, we come to you with praise and thanksgiving. And we just thank you for sending your son, Christ Jesus, to this world. And we thank you that he brought such a value and such a meaning to our lives. Father, we thank you for this. And Father, I pray for if there is even one person today, this morning with us, who doesn't know you as a, as a number one, we ask that your Holy Spirit would bring this conviction even now. And Father, I pray for all of us as we are here. I pray that you would give us this wisdom of yours so we can look at your Son, Christ Jesus, and we can... Take this glory and allow you to transform us into your likeness. Father, we thank you that you want us to have us and to bring us from the unbelief to believe and to maturity and to the leadership. And we ask that you would raise many workers and many leaders, even from this church, many of us who would go to the farthest places in this world to proclaim your gospel and to make disciples. We pray this in a sweet, sweet name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information to give us your feedback and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day. Thank you.